0: Introverted noise. Hurry up, daddy.
1: Right, y'all. We are back. I am here once again talking Vikings with two of the smartest people on all of the internet. And we're here to talk about, well, I guess uh two of the most important players on the team. Maybe coin flip for which one people will put first, even though that's kind of ridiculous. We know which one it should be. But um, we'll talk about the other guy first. Because he's the one that's in the news right now. Dalvin Cook is uh is it a holdout? Is it negotiation, all of the above? He's announced he's not going to participate in any team activities until he gets more money. Nick is our resident Dalvin stan on this here podcast. Uh, I will give you the floor first. What were your thoughts when this all came out? What are your thoughts on the initial reports that he wants Christian McCaffrey money? Um, And I guess the later reports that came out that say the Vikings are, are nowhere near that. How do you think this all shakes
2: out? Yeah, it's it's wild. My my initial thought was I'm torn because Dalvin Cook is such an electrifying runner. He's such a fun player to watch. Every time he gets the balls in his, the ball in his hand, he's just like it's it's like an awesome moment. And like it's a, like a little almost. It harkens back to the prime Adrian Peterson days. Cook obviously, and not quite in that level, but it's it's that same sort of. It's just a lot of fun to watch the guy run the ball. Um, and he's a very talented running back. At the same time, everything we know from every study that's come out in the past few years shows that running backs are fungible, and uh, that's true in the general sense, and it's also very true in the Vikings in that Alexander Madison is about just as good of a, of a running back as Dalvin Cook is. He's maybe not quite as explosive, doesn't have the same top-tier athleticism. You can quibble over this thing and that thing, but he's got, he's got the burst, of the vision. He's got He's better. He's not as like elusive as Cook is, but he's a little more powerful as a runner. So um, it's tough to justify spending Christian McCaffrey money or even the David Johnson money—the thirteen million dollars a year that um, we've seen Schefter and, and Chad Graff report that that's what Vikings—that's um, what Dalvin Cook wants. Um, even the eight million dollars that the Vikings have reportedly, at least by Chad Graff's report, reported to offer Dalvin Cook and haven't budged so far. Even that is probably. Um, You know, if you could swap in Alexander Madison, even if you accept that Madison is a downgrade, which there are a lot of studies out there that would suggest he isn't. And in fact, Madison had a higher yards per carry last year, marginally. I think it was 4.6 to 4.5 yards per carry. Either way, even if you accept that it's a big downgrade, is it like a downgrade worth spending an extra $7 million on Cook as opposed to Madison on Madison's cheap rookie deal? I don't know. It's tough. And then the other thing that, that, struck me when I was thinking about it is we just have a new CBA. So, so what is Delvin cook doing, holding out? Because if he doesn't show up to draining camp on day one, he's a restricted free agent next year, meaning the Vikings can slap first or second round tender, um, pay him like $3 million or something. And, and it's, it's like a very cheap franchise take basically. Um, And so uh, I'm trying to understand and add on top the $40 million fine that they could, they could pay him since he's still on the rookie deal. Um, so the fines on top of the new CBA, it's like, what this is, this, I feel like this from a negotiating pos- posture, I don't understand it at all. It's all kind of crazy, but at the same time, nothing has been happening in sports for all. So I'm kind of happy to have at least some news right. to talk about, even if it's like controversial bad news for the Vikings, but whatever it's, it's football. So it's fun.
1: So Eric, what, what is, what are your thoughts? Cause, um, it, it has been said by some that, you know, Dalvin actually has all the leverage. Um, you know, when it's game, game script uh, neutral, the Vikings run the ball more than anyone else. As Nick yeah. said, Dalvin well, that's true. is is very electric. Um, you know, yeah. he does things that no other player can do. He can turn that five, six yard run into a touchdown at any time. Nick on previous shows has shown how effective the Vikings are when they are running wide zone with Dalvin Cook. Yep. Um How is it that if we stack all those things on top of each other, it doesn't equate to leverage for Dalvin Cook in these negotiations? The person in
0: the Vikings offense that had the most leverage when it came to the running game and the offense in general is now coaching the Cleveland Browns. Um, And as much as, you know, the the hard part that I see is that, you know, Zimmer – was, you know, wanted to have some authority and say, we're going to run the football more and we're going to be tougher. And Stefanski played within those confines and did okay and did well. And a lot of that stuff from what, you know, Nick was saying, like when you, and I, and I did a simple analysis, I posted in the uh, climb in the pocket chat. I just literally looked at like what, what a player was, was facing in terms of box count. And, yes, Dalvin Cook expected points added was actually positive last year in running the football. There are very few backs that do that. Madison was negative, but a lot of that were just the long touchdowns that outlier plays. If you look at yards per carry, as Nick said, Madison was a little bit more efficient. And if you adjust for the number of players in the box, Madison ran against a little bit heavier of boxes last year uh, than, than Dalvin Cook did and still had more yards per carry. Um, despite not having as Nick I think astutely said the athleticism or the breakaway speed, so it's a curious one for cook and and his agent and you know all the the people that are asking him to do this. I don't think it's an easy one for running backs and their agents. I don't think there there's something wrong if something that feels wrong about accepting something less, but I can almost guarantee you that somebody like Austin Eckler is going to be with the Los Angeles Chargers longer than Todd Gurley was with the Los Angeles Rams longer than David Johnson was with the Arizona Cardinals and maybe possibly longer than Zeke is with the Dallas Cowboys. Just because, you know, I think, you know, that's a contract that says, look, we appreciate what you've done for us. You've been extremely valuable, but you have to understand that the position is the way it is. And we don't, we want to be in a position where if you get hurt or if you struggle like, we want to be in a position to go to our owner and say, look, like, Dalvin only averaged 3.7 yards per carry this year, but it's because we were facing tougher defenses. We didn't get to give him the ball as much. Well. All that kind of stuff that isn't Dalvin's – like, you can't come after Dalvin's 2019 season and be like, he's amazing and everything – we're going to give him the credit for everything. When And then when turnabout's fair play, be in a position where they have to cut you because all of the things that will go pear-shaped against you – weren't your fault you know so I I do have a lot of empathy for Dalvin Cook and other running backs in the league Um, but this one's a tough one for uh, you know him and his agent because I don't think the Vikings uh, have any impetus to budge.
1: So what is in your view fair value for a player like Dalvin Cook like I know that you've mentioned uh, on the on the pod you've also mentioned in the group chat that like you know Austin Eckler his time in the league and Dalvin's time in the league has you know more war has been more valuable Mm -hmm. by that metric than than a Dalvin Cook. Um, Vikings fans, I'm sure, will disagree with that assessment. Um, Yeah, like, what is fair value for a player like a Dalvin Cook? Because the offense, in many ways, like, as Dalvin went, so went the offense, even though I think we'd all agree that Kirk Cousins is the most important player on the team.
0: Yeah, it's tough because there's no other position where – so, like, if you look at OverTheCap.com, you know, great, great folks there. It goes McCaffrey, Elliott, Bell, Johnson, Henry, Henry's on the franchise tag, Drake, Gordon, and then it gets to Saquon Barkley at a little bit under seven, uh, under eight million dollars a year, and Leonard Fournette at a little bit under seven, and then it's Austin Eckler at six point one, and then Todd Gurley's at five and a half. You know, just having come off of a contract where he was cut, having having reset the market of the position. There's almost no other – so, like, take, for example, you look at the left tackle market. Um, by the time – I'm trying to think of where the next – so, like, Jonah Williams was just drafted by the Bengals. Uh, Makai Becton, Jedrick Wills, uh, they are all at about $5 million a year. Um, all of the guys that have reset the market in, in previous seasons are almost three times that, right? And we just simply don't well, – there's more compression at the running back position. But I would say probably a fair deal – and maybe not one I'd sign up for, but one I can totally get behind is basically what the first overall pick would make if he's a running back. You know what I'm saying? Like that's to me, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And that's just simply like, if if you were to say that about any other position, that would be too, that would be too low. But at the running back position,
1: I think it's
2: just high enough.
1: Okay. All right, Nick, where are you at with that? Does that feel,
2: does that feel okay to you? Yeah, that feels right. So Joe Burrow's what? Can it be like $9 million a year? I would be fine with a $9 million a year contract. I mean, in, in truth, I think the right answer here is to is to trade Dalvin Cook away because yeah. I don't see um, a, well, a large delta between Cook and Madison. And in fact, I think the Vikings have a very deep running back room. I think um, Boone uh, is deserving of touches. He's very good as a receiver as well, and he's, got in, in, he's an insane athlete doesn't really have the vision that cook does. And then um, Abdullah is, is just like a complete back except he fumbles. Um, he has a fumbling problem, yeah. um, which, which it's, it's, it's obviously a, a huge weakness, but he's still really good as a running back and he's still really good as a receiver. He's really good after the catches. And you know, he fumbles like once every 50, 50 touches or something, which is higher than you mm-hmm. want it to be. But it's like, you know, that's the, 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 marginal fumbling is like an extra fumble every like 100 touches. So maybe one or two extra fumbles a season. It's a, it's a down, it's, it's a problem but it's not a reason to not have them on your roster. All that's to say, um, you know, if you trust your own analysis and you trust your own studies and you're, you're confident that there's not something missing here in our models, the right thing to do is to, to, to find another team who does see Dalvin cook as this elite player and get rid of them. That's what I would do if I were GM, but I feel like that takes a certain amount of hubris to say everyone else is wrong. Um, and, 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 and Dalvin cook is not worth anything. That just doesn't really sound right. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, maybe not analytics, but there's a lot of other um, thought that would make that may, make you think that's a mistake. So, you know, if Cook winds up getting like $13 million a year, I'm, I'm going to be a little disappointed. I think uh, where the Vikings are at 8 million, 9 million, that's like, you know, maybe it's more than you want to. But the thing is like every team is making this mistake right now, right? Like every team is still investing first round picks into the position. They're still spending uh, $10 million on the running backs when they really like their guys. So, you know, you're not going to be at a disadvantage if you pay Dalvin Cook $10 million a year. You're just not going to be at a marginal advantage compared to where the rest of the league is. And I can look at that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at... Um, the, the the real issue here in many ways is that the Vikings traded Stefan Diggs. Um, and there is a real... I mean, if we go back to Vikings lure, you know, 2005, I was watching Vikings Packers on Monday Night Football and the player that they that they highlighted that year was Nate Burleson who like was inactive for the game. Like they had no stars and the team was bad and boring. And you know, when Adrian Peterson was drafted by the Vikings, that immediately changed. And there was a reason to watch the Vikings. Now I don't think cook is anywhere near the superstar that Peterson was at the time, but it is going to be difficult for them to, un- to, to spin to their fan base. look, we went with Kirk again. Kirk is not the most exciting thing in the world. Uh, we got rid of Stephon Diggs, who's one of the best receivers on the, in the league and probably the best player on the team, at least offensively. Uh, and now we're going to allow Dalvin Cook to sit out a year uh, or trade him. Like, that's a tough yarn to spin, right? So I can understand, you know, you know there's, there's non-field level things that would be a reason why you'd, you'd stick with Cook. But it, it doesn't make it any easier or any more efficient dollar
1: for dollar on the field. So, Eric, what would be the uh, the offer that you sent to Bill O'Brien? if? Uh, if you... <laughs> I mean,
0: honestly, I, I, you at least call, don't you? And you say, look, I'll give you Kirk and Dalvin Cook for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I mean, and all these coaches, man, I know. And here's the thing. Can you imagine how, like, how, like, fucking jacked up the fan base would be if Deshaun Watson was the Vikings quarterback? It would be like, I almost said the word crunk, which I don't think is a word anymore, but like the, (laughs) uh, it would be so like, it would be so awesome. People would be so jacked. Right. And even with cook in the fold, people are like, you know, Oh, this is, you know, uh, you know, people are the only guy excited about the Vikings is flip. And that's like his like normal state. (laughs) Right. So
1: even that gets shaky at times,
0: even that gets shaky at times. So, I'm thinking, to my like, you at least have to ask. And and fu- it's so funny, because I don't think Bill O'Brien's like this. Um, and God bless him for this, because I think a lot of quarterbacks – like, I think there's a subset of coaches that like Kirk's more than they like Deshaun Watson's, and I think it's abhorrent. But, like, yeah. Kyle Shanahan totally likes a guy he can control, like Jimmy G, more than he likes a guy like Watson, who's more of a freelancer and way better, you know? So, mate, I think you take a shot in the dark that Bill
1: O'Brien's one of those guys. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a perfect segue for us, because let's talk about the other guy, our other, fam- our other favorite person, and the work coming out from your outlet, Eric. Pro Football Focus. You know, because all through last year, Pro Football Focus was at the, the core, the center of many of Nick's arguments in favor of Kirk Cousins yeah. being the man, being the guy, being the person around whom we should build. And then Kevin, Timo... They came out with this new set of rankings that I'm not gonna lie. I'm not smart enough to understand how all this all comes together. And Kirk found his way 16th?
0: Smack dab in the middle, man. Right
1: in the middle, which is where many of us have kind of said that Kirk. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Let's not talk about our priors. Eric, help me understand how Kirk Cousins went from being, you know, a top six player by pro football focus grades to falling dab smack in the middle of the pack in this new uh in this new rankings.
0: Well, I think a lot of it is um you know a little bit of of stuff is blended in from an efficiency standpoint. So Cousins is graded just fine for us most of the time, but the offense last season was pretty good efficiency-wise, 18 not very good, 17 for him in Washington, not the best. Um there's also a little bit of a prior folded in, which I'm not exactly sure how much it's weighted. Probably not a whole ton anymore, but about you know his draft position, which is obviously not very high. Um, I know that that's what's keeping Mayfield afloat, keeping a guy like Rosen, you know, historically a little lower because he was only tenth overall. So there's just some stuff there, but I, I would say it's it's kind of folding in the grades in addition to the efficiency, and and that's kind of I think where. Um, you know, maybe the disconnect is because he does grade well for us, but there, you know, you build in some of those efficiency metrics, and sometimes some of the yards uh, are a little hollow for him.
1: Oh, that's fair. So, Nick, what was your first thought when when you saw this piece and you saw where Kirk fell? Because I'm not gonna lie, even me, who will be you know the first to, to crack a joke at Kirk's expense on occasion, was was very surprised when I had to scroll down as far as I did to, to find him in the ranking, especially given what we'd seen you know, in the most recent year that we, we had of him. And um, I guess, what are your thoughts? Because I know when we talked about this before, you mentioned that, um, you know, there, yes, you potentially could see some regression. Or maybe Kirk actually improved on some things. And you have pointed to some, some traits where you saw improvement from Kirk. So where do you expect things to, to kind of shake out when you look ahead to 2020?
2: Yeah, I thought these rankings were good. And I thought they were interesting. And, you know, it, you read the methodology before you actually get to the rankings. So I think based on the methodology, it makes perfect sense. You know, if you're, uh, you know, you want to wait the 2019 season higher than you weight that greater than the previous seasons, but those last seasons still count. And 2018, Cousins, his grade was like, okay, but like, you know that was like the peak checkdown, Kirk. Like, yeah, he's not like turning the ball over because he's not make generating any positive plays in the first place. So uh, that year, I think the Vikings were like 24th, I want to say, in EPA per play or EPA per pass attempt. Yeah, and same um, with same yards per attempt, all that kind of stuff. Where they were kind of bottom third. It was it was a bad offense, and you can blame that on on JDF mostly. But like part of that is on Cousins, um, and and I, I think even though his grade will suggest he wasn't that bad, the fact that you're not generating positive plays is like that's you know that's that's the problem with Kirk Cousins. And last year we saw the Kubiak Stefanski system, you know, with the boots be able to like program reprogram Kirk's um, mechanics into thinking like let's let's chuck this downfield, and it, and it worked out to great effect. And I think he's really good at it when he does it. But uh, you kind of need to scheme the positive plays out of Cousins because he's just a little reticent to throw the ball into tight coverage or throw the ball downfield. So um, I don't think it's a bad ranking. Um, I think if you look at guys like um, Goth or Garoppolo, I would, you know, I'd take Cousins over those two, even though they ranked higher. But I think it's fair to say, you know, let's see if Kirk can repeat what he did last year because last year he looked like, you know, maybe not. Um, like a, a like a top-five quarterback, but maybe something close to that based only on last season's results. And you saw the accuracy. You saw a lot of the traits that you want to see from a franchise quarterback. But I think it's fair to say, was that Stefanski? Was that Scheme? Was that Stefan Diggs? How much was he getting help there? So I think it's fair to say the other seasons still count, and let's see if Cousins can repeat it.
0: Yeah. You, make, you brought up golf, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, 18 months ago, or 20 months ago, whatever – Jared Goff was on Thursday night football shredding up a really good Vikings defense, you know, and doing a lot of that himself, you know, like throwing the football being very good. He was the, obviously the quarterback of the Rams and they scored the 54 points against the Kansas city chiefs on Monday night football, Um, you know, and then he's fallen off. Right. Because the scheme I think has gotten a little stale in LA, but like does order matter, right? Like if you go from being brilliant to being a little weaker, whereas kirk went weaker to brilliant right like sometimes those things average out which i've shown i think with some of the scheme work that i've done there's a lot of just like simple like regret ping-pawing you know sort of back and forth between the mean so i kind of like how kirk is sort of balanced in there with some of those guys who can go either way depending upon the circumstances
1: yeah so eric just one of the things that nick brought up and um Something that's been talked about a lot with Kirk Cousins, especially coming out of this last season, was the scheme and how it did help him and and how much better he was on like play action and different things like that. And I can't help but think about the article that I'm pretty sure you wrote when we talked about paying quarterbacks and like how that affects your team. And you were more focused on like rookie deals more so than like really digging super deep into veterans. But when we think about Kirk and and the scheme and how he's helped, um, I guess when you wrote that piece, how did that? And I researched that piece. Like, what were your thoughts in terms of Kirk Cousins when you know you took all of that information into account?
0: Yeah, I'm loading the app that I made. So the 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 thesis of that entire thing was more um, was more this idea of it's it's a little bit too obtuse to look just at basically quarterback. I'm trying to um, find allocation. Maybe was the Um, but you know, sort of the idea here is that like, it's a little bit obtuse just to look at how much war a quarterback is generating per dollar, um, by himself, because there's a whole lot that goes into there, there are a whole lot of things that like a quarterback can do that are not under the salary cap. So one of them is meshing with a good coach, right? So, Um, for example, Stefanski was not under the salary cap last year. You can pay him as as much or as little as you want to, um, how a guy, you know, how, how you get some sort of convex relationship between coach or sorry, coach quarterback and receivers. You can often like, you know, you see it with Russell Wilson all the time. Wilson's paid more than any quarterback in the NFL. But last season, if you looked at, if you looked at, um, war per, spent on o-line quarterback wide receiver tight end seattle was still seattle was still fourth in the nfl uh and you know baltimore or kansas city and dallas were ahead of them which makes sense because they're not paying their quarterback that much so the question is is like when you look at kirk like they're paying kirk a decent amount of money the the hope that they have now which is gonna you know can they realize this this year Ezra Cleveland's an, uh, one of their tackles. He might end up starting. They might have to get rid of Reef if, if it becomes clear that the contract, the salary cap's going to contract next season. Um, uh, Brian O'Neill's the right tackle. He's still on a rookie deal. Uh, Bradbury, um, Ola B.C. Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith. All those guys are young and cheap. Kirk's the one making all the money. So if Kirk can take that offense and get, you know, two and a half wins above replacement from him, maybe three and another one or one or two from the wide receiver position, then he's worth his deal. If he can't, if he's been kind of what Aaron Rodgers has been, which is good, but not elevating the play of those around him, then they're going to struggle. And and that's where the question marks of like, is he being paid too much um, come, come into come into play. Uh, and, and I thought that was, like, a, an interesting way to think about it was more to collect them up because we know that the quarterback has a huge effect uh, on all the other positions around him. It's a
1: really smart way to look at it. And I guess is, is there a way that you can see that ahead of time? Like, how – like, if you were going to use this information to try to, like, project uh, who you should and shouldn't pay, like, is there a way for us to, to look at what we know now and, and, and project ahead to, to decide, you know, who we should pay or even how much we should pay that person? Well, I
0: think I think this is really trying to take a, a, an attempt at doing this. You know, the work by Timo and Kevin, where you look at EPA, you look at grade, you try to see which one can predict the thing into the future more easily. Um, but it's so hard to untangle, you know, quarterback play from the rest of those around. I I'm pretty confident that Patrick Mahomes is going to be good no matter who he throws the ball to. I'm pretty confident, and I we've already seen it with Russell Wilson. I'm pretty confident that whomever Russell Wilson throws the football to, uh, he's going to be fine. Um, I'm actually fairly confident at this point that whoever, like Jared Goff needs a good infrastructure to be good. Uh, I'm pretty confident that Jimmy Garoppolo needs a good infrastructure to be good. So I'm 75, 25 on the fact Kirk probably does, you know? So then, bridgewater same thing right and that's where like sort of the the sort of sliding scale comes like i like paying kirk what what the vikings are paying kirk right now um you know after they've already front-loaded i lo- i really like what the panthers are paying teddy for example because that extra 10 million can go to somebody else um so it is a really tricky question but it, it's it's one that i think is uh, extremely fascinating
1: and yeah, nick what are what are your thoughts on on that just uh the how scheme and everything comes together. And I guess, what are your thoughts on how it's going to, to play out with the Vikings now, where we have shifted some of that burden onto Kirk cousins, where we did have Diggs, um, you know, Thielen is still around obviously, but we had Diggs, who obviously, um, you know, great wide receiver, you know, helping things out. What are your thoughts on how that's really going to manifest now with Kirk having to shoulder more of that burden as we move into this next season?
2: Yeah. It's so tough to disentangle all those things because they all, they all go together. And then, there's some like covariances as well. Um, so you look at like like even answering the question: Did did Kirk Cousins have a good supporting cast last year? Because it's you know Stefanski was a great play caller. The pass protection was bad. I think it ranked mm-hmm. 27th in in team pass blocking grade. The receivers were, were good. Diggs was great. Thielen was good when he was healthy, but he wasn't healthy very much. And then after those two, like there wasn't an NFL caliber wide receiver on the raw. I mean, BC Johnson's like marginally above replacement rate. And then you had Laquan treble. So, so, you know, it is, is that a good, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know what to make of, uh, uh, you know, did, did Kirk Cousins outplay his supporting cast? I think you would say yes, unless you were, unless you were saying that a lot of it was due to Kubiak and Stefanski. And so when we're trying to project next year, like how's Kirk Cousins going to do? You know, you lost it on Diggs, so that's going to be a huge hit. You know, I think wide receiver is the most important thing to to um, predicting how how a you know how good of a supporting cast you've got is. It. You know, if I could blink, well, I don't know. I might put scheme above wide receiver, but scheme's an unknown as well because we lost Stefanski and you know Kubiak. It's the same system, and, you know, you're going to see, that. I think, the same reliance on, on boots and play action, and and that will hopefully boost Kirk Cousins' efficiency. But at the same time, you know, we've seen Kubiak's been around the block, and we've seen some very good offenses from him a long time ago, and we've also recently seen some pretty bad offenses as well. So are we going to get the same level of efficiency as we got last year out from Staspansky? I don't know. That's kind of a uh, – we, we uh, there's too many unknowns, I think, to uh, be able to confidently predict that. I think the pass protection you hope will be better. I mean, they've invested in it. Brian O'Neill is young and should get better and and Bradbury as bad as he was last year. You know, you typically see a bump from offensive linemen in their first and their second or third year, so maybe he gets better. So that I mean, there's so many things going into it. I don't want to punt on the question and say we don't know, but I will say overall I think with the loss of Stefanski and loss of Stephon Diggs, you should expect the supporting cast to get worse and you should expect less efficiency from Kirk Cousins. But, you know, football's so random, like that could be totally off. So who knows, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, As time is ticking down on us here, we're going to go to the final couple questions here. Nick, start with you on this one. Were you surprised when that tweet came out from PFF Minnesota saying that Kirk was the most valuable Viking of the last decade?
2: I mean, initially, yes, because Kirk's only been here two years, right? So how could could a quarterback? But then you think about it and you're like, well, what quarterback has been here longer than two years? It's not going to be Christian Ponder as the most valuable player of the decade. It's not going to be Adrian Peterson as great as Adrian Peterson was in the early years because, you know, uh, as, as, as a fantastic as he was, you got to look at like the run blocking as well. You know, he had some fantastic run blocking lines that, that really helped him become that MVP caliber player. Um, so, you know, it might be Stefan Diggs, but like quarterbacks just matter so much more. Like two years of Kirk Cousins playing well, one year really well and one year average, are going to be worth more than five years of good to great um, wide receiver play. It's not going to be Adam Thielen. So like, uh, Harrison Smith is really good, but he's a defender and he's a safety, and that's just not going to have the impact that, like, a quarterback will. So once I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Eric, how wide was the gap on this one? How, how far did, did Kirk lap- Uh I think Harrison Smith is
0: three of the top five uh, most valuable seasons among non-quarterbacks. Thielen's 18 season was the most valuable um, among – among non quarterbacks. So there, there have been some good performances there for sure. Um, but you know, when you look at it, I mean, the, the, the quarterback order went, uh, uh, Kirk last year, Kirk, 2018 case Keenum, 2017 Sam Bradford, 2016. So the Vikings have gotten progressively better at the QB position, actually. Um, 2014 Bridgewater 2015 Bridgewater was a little weaker than 2014 Bridgewater interesting and all of the, those are the only players that ever got more than a win above replacement for the Vikings Thielen was like 0.8 uh, as a wide receiver um, you know so Anthony Harris third last season uh, among non quarterbacks in the past decade so um, you know the, the funny thing to from when Nick says you know the Vikings took until halfway through the decade to be any good this decade right so you can almost throw out 2010 to 2015 14 really um, because there was only one playoff team in that group and it was mostly a fluke uh, 15 to 10, you know, to 19. Uh, that's where a lot of the good stuff has been. Um, and, you know, Kirk interestingly has been the, you know, the lead dog and played a lot of snaps for that, for all those teams.
1: Makes sense. All right. Last thing here, Eric, for you, because I know that you've been on our friend Matthew Collar's podcast, talking about one of my favorite Vikings of all time. So we have about, Three and a half minutes left here before we got to sign off. Dante Culpepper, Kirk Cousins. If we were comparing them, if we could choose to have one, uh, which one would be the right choice? Uh, Dante. <laughs> the, the hard part about Dante
0: is the only thing. So Dante threw for 4,700 yards in 2004. Tor, Randy Moss got traded and he, he didn't, it took him five years to get over 4,700 yards again. Total. So there's a lot of confounders with Dante. Um you know, he had Carter Moss early and they had he had Moss by himself, struggled for a couple of years. Then they got in Marcus Robinson, Burleson, Wiggins, good offensive line. Uh Scott Linehan was a great coach. In 05 when they got rid of Linehan and they got rid of Moss, he was terrible. So um yeah, there's always that cloud over him, but I got to say he's Dante probably Second best quarterback in the history of the franchise. Third best if you count Favre. I don't Favre. I'm not sure who that is. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Brett know. Favre's '09 season was unlike anything we're gonna see. Right? Tarkington's one. Right. Then you go through. You know, Tommy Kramer had a season. Wade Wilson had a season. Rich Gannon wasn't good with the Vikings. Um, Warren Moon. Okay. I I could go with although Warren was a was not the greatest quarterback in the red zone, but he was a, he was very productive. Um, And he's a hall of famer. So maybe put more moon in the discussion as well, but Dante. um, God, if he and Moss would have played together for 10 years, I think, I think a lot more, I think a lot of different things would be said about Dante. So I'm
2: going to go with him.
1: All right, Nick, Dante, Kirk, who are you picking?
2: Yeah, I think it's a tough, it's tough a little bit. And there's, it's hard to think of like two more different quarterbacks like kirk is such like a robot but and dante was was not but you know kirk is like i'm gonna do this all by the book and, and dante is like i'm gonna chuck deep because i've got a huge arm and i'm super athletic and mm-hmm. um it, it's like the the opposite of that consistency and, and you know it's kind of like going back to comparing kirk cousins to deshaun watson it's the similar type of comparison um obviously Dante's a little different type of player than, than Watson, but similar so different sort of styles there. So I, I think I would have to go with, with um, Dante. Um, just when you he, when he saw his peak um, in 2004, that was just uh, uh, something that we've seen very few seasons of in Minnesota Vikings history. And really that's what you're kind of looking for in a quarterback is somebody who can get you to that peak um, because, you know, consistency will get you like, you know, a, a six seed. Um, uh, an MVP caliber season will get you a shot at the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I think I would go for the upside and um, gamble with with Dante. There it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, we he he had a season. I mean, the one thing that I think separates them too, you know, Dante in his first season had 470 yards on the ground, five touch seven touchdowns. Sorry, he had ten touchdowns on the ground in O two, like. He's just always – he gave you that other threat as well, although in '02 2 he led the league in interceptions and fumbles. So <laughs> that's not something necessarily Kirk will do. Um, but there's so much – so much high – so high variance with him. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'd go with him.
1: Awesome. Well, gentlemen, there it is. Right in the nick of time because, Lord knows, we're not upgrading the Zoom account to pro. So we got 40 minutes and we just <laughs> made it in. Boom. Boom. <laughs> As always, gentlemen, thanks for making time. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us. And yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.